You're listening to the Exeter Vineyard Church podcast. New episodes each week. To watch the full video version of this podcast, head over to our website, www.exe.vin forward slash podcasts. Um, as Dave said, I'm Hannah. I am going to be uh, kicking off our series in Ruth. I've lost the first page of my notes, so it's going well. Didn't put page numbers on. Let me check. They are in order. Great. Okay. Um, So like Dave said, Ruth is a really little book. Um, I would really suggest that you read it while we're doing the series if you've got time. Um, I'm going to talk about what jumped out to me, but of course, something else might jump out to you. Um, Ruth is found in the Bible just after the book of Judges. Um, Its timing is actually towards the end of the period of Judges. Judges was a 400-year period um, of general anarchy and oppression in Israel, so it wasn't great. Um, The Israelites weren't ruled by kings, but by periodic judges that God raised up when the nation sought him. The days of the judges were dark days for Israel. Can I have my first slide? Um, Yeah, literally, Judges says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So not ideal. But in contrast, we have the story of Ruth. Ruth is a story of hope. It tells of ordinary Israelites being kind to one another. It's a love story of community, responsibility, and redemption. It's a reminder that despite the current state in Israel, in the period of Judges, there are still good people doing good things. Ruth's also a significant figure in the genealogy of Jesus. If we could have the next slide. Um, We see here that we've got Ruth, um, who eventually marries Boaz, and we'll hear about this later. I know, sorry guys, but it's really cool because the actions that we'll hear Ruth take ultimately end up with Jesus. Um, So yeah, just to put it in the context of the characters in the Bible. Um, The book of Ruth records how Naomi and her husband left Bethlehem due to famine, and then they went to settle in Moab with their sons. Their sons married two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, Um, and then Naomi's husband and sons died, and Naomi chose to return to Bethlehem. When I first read Ruth 1, my thought on the chapter was that it's about giving and receiving love. Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth all make decisions that demonstrate kindness. They're all putting each other first. They're making sacrificial love decisions, and they are present in each other's suffering. Each of these three women have lost people that they love. They're probably all grieving. They're feeling a little bit lost. And then Naomi chooses to return to Bethlehem. And Ruth and Orpah accompany her on their journey. This is a huge sacrifice on their part. They're leaving their homeland, their culture, everything they've known, their chance to remarry again into their own culture. Um, And they're off off accompanying their mother-in-law to Bethlehem. So she's probably not the mother-in-law of films. We imagine these, these women have a close bond. However, Naomi then stops and tells them to go back home to Moab. If I could have my next slide. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. 
Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Now, the bit that struck me about this part of the chapter was that Naomi didn't immediately suggest her daughter stayed in Moab. She'd set off on her journey, and then it's like she has this realization, oh my goodness, my daughters-in-law are grieving too. They've lost their husbands as well, and I'm dragging them off to this land that they don't know about on this journey that's about 60 miles long. It would have taken them seven to 10 days walking. It's not just popping to the, the next city across. It's quite a thing to ask them to be doing this. And for me, it's really encouraging that it happens along the way. As humans, we often make acts and decisions that are selfish. We can be self-absorbed. But even if our initial choices perhaps aren't putting other people first, we then end up in a position where if we're kind of listening and thinking about what we're doing, we can make changes. You know, nothing is set in stone. We can make decisions as we go along. Could I have my next slide, please? But when, um, sorry, lost my place. When uh, Naomi tells them to go back home, they have different responses. And we see here, they wept aloud again, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. I think it's really interesting that there's two different responses here. Orpah returns home, Ruth insists on going on with Naomi. And I love the fact that the Bible doesn't slam Orpah for going home. It's not like, oh, well, she was a bit of a bitch, really. She just left her mother-in-law and went home. You know, it doesn't do that. Um, and it's different things are right for different people. Um, and sometimes we can gratefully receive somebody acting in love towards us. And sometimes we are called to love others and put them above ourselves in our decision-making. Orpah, Naomi, and Ruth don't try to outmartyr each other. Orpah accepts Naomi's loving suggestion that she should go home, and Naomi accepts Ruth's determination to go with her. And sometimes we need to be humble enough to accept things from other people, and that's really important too. I think often we can actually be tempted to be the person doing the loving. It can be a sacrifice, but it makes us feel good about ourselves. Sometimes it can be harder to just gratefully accept someone showing us love. I found this particularly hard last year when I was pregnant. I got bigger and bigger and could do less and less and got angrier and angrier about it. Um, and I found it really frustrating that I had to keep asking Adam to do things for me, that I was simply too tired to cook dinner or do jobs around the house or even tie my own shoelaces. And this was really tough for Adam because he was coming home from a long day at work to a cross and grumpy wife who was not grateful for everything that he was doing. Um, and really, it would have been better if I'd just humbly gone, yeah, thank you for loving me and been nice to him about it. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't. But as Adam said in his video talk a couple of weeks ago, marriage is a positive cycle to see, keep serving each other. 
And I got up four times last night with Luke, so swings and roundabouts. <laughs> also, it's this, this sacrificial loving is part of being in community. When we had Luke, people came round, they brought us meals, they were there for us. Um, it was humbling and amazing, and actually it was really great to receive that. Um, and I think sometimes we need to appreciate the joy in receiving love from other people. I think also sometimes we don't realize the positive impact of choices that we make to then serve other people. When Ruth said to Naomi, look, no, I'm not going home, I'm going to stay with you, she didn't know what was coming next. She knew that there was a journey, but she didn't know that when Naomi arrived back in Bethlehem and everyone's like really excited to see Naomi, and for Naomi it's really tough. She's a completely different person. Her husband's dead and her sons are dead. Could I have my next slide, please? And she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Side note, Naomi means pleasant, and Mara means bitterness. So she's saying, you know, my old name, who I was, it doesn't mean anything anymore because of everything that's happened to me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. And at this moment in time, it must have been a great comfort to Naomi that actually Ruth is standing there with her in her suffering. She's not having to face this uncomfortable reunion and conversation alone. Uh, we can't really get away from, in these verses, that Naomi says, the Lord has afflicted me. Uh, that's a big theological question. I'm not going to go into that today. Um, there are lots of questions and opinions about suffering, about God's role within that. It's really tough. It's a really difficult co topic. I struggle to understand where God is in suffering. Maybe it comes down to the fact that he's God and we're not. And if we understood everything, would he really be God? Um, but I did read this book recently, God on Mute by Pete Gregg. Um, really, really recommend it. Um, and there's a quote within that book that I found very useful when thinking about suffering. Um, so I'm going to share that with you now. If I could have my next slide. There's spelling mistakes in this slide. I'm going to read it from here. Um, and just to put the quote into context, Pete Gregg has gone into hospital to visit his friend Rob, who was dying of cancer and did die of cancer, um, leaving his wife and very young family behind. And Pete says... I didn't leave the hospital with answers to any of the questions that plagued my mind the day before. My theology and my ideas about God were still in a state of upheaval. But in their place emerged a new idea. Whatever else God may or may not be, he is present in our pain. He suffers with us. Why he doesn't set a step in and simply put an end to the suffering now, I don't know. Believing that someday he'll make everything right doesn't make life easier now. But still, the fact that God was with Rob in the midst of his suffering was at least something. It was almost as if, on some level, God had cancer too. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. He didn't just sympathize with us, and he didn't just bear our spiritual sickness. The text says he actually carried our diseases. And I think this quote really sums up what Ruth was doing for Naomi too. Ruth was with Naomi in her suffering. She was with her back in Moab. She was with her on the journey to Bethlehem. When she arrived home, so changed from the person she'd been before, 
Ruth was there. I would say that in her actions towards Naomi, Ruth is modeling the love and care that Jesus has for us and what he does for us. He walks with us, he loves extravagantly, he suffers with us, and he dies in our place on the cross. When Naomi is dealing with her trauma and everything has gone wrong, Ruth is the loving presence there with her. With her. Ruth is Jesus to Naomi. And I've got a couple of questions from all of this for you to think on, because it wouldn't be a talk without some questions and some homework. Um, question number one, are there decisions or actions that you have to make or could make that would really love someone? Would it mean that you were walking with them in their suffering, loving them sacrificially? And I think this is a question that's quite easy to just go, you know what, there isn't anything. Like, loving sacrificially, that's like massive. That's like remortgaging my home and giving someone £30,000. It, it can be the little choices as well. You know, sometimes we can't be there for people in the way that we want to be, but there are other decisions that we can make that have a cost to us that really love them well. Um, for example, a couple of weeks after Luke was born, my friend lost her baby. Um, obviously, that was devastating for her. I found that really tough um, because it was horribly close to home. Um, and she lives across the country. Like I couldn't be there for her. I had my own newborn baby to look after. Um, and it's like, there's nothing I can really do. Um, and then this year, I decided to run the extra half marathon because I'm a bit stupid. Um, <laughs> and I said to her, you know, what charity do you want me to run it for? And I said, so I'm running it for Tommy's The Baby Lost Charity. And it's not a big thing. You know, in the grand scheme of the loss that she has suffered, it's nothing. But I'm doing what I can just to walk a little bit with her. Um, and, and she's very grateful for that. Um, so there's probably a small decision somewhere where you can just show that you're stepping into somebody's suffering with them. Um, and I think that's really important to do. And as we go through the book of Ruth, we'll see that it's not just this like, big decision at the start to leave Moab that impacts the story of Ruth. It's other little decisions that she's making along the way. Um, and a lot of little decisions that are prompted by God in the right direction can turn into one big decision and one big outcome. Um, and as we saw on one of the earlier slides... Ruth bears the child that is the great-great-grandfather of King David, who is obviously in the lineage of Jesus. You know, Ruth has this huge impact in the story of the Bible from some decisions that she makes, and she's got no idea what's coming next. And I think sometimes we can feel prompted to make decisions or God calls us to things. We don't know about the future, but actually they're, they're huge in the kingdom of God and, and his big story. And we just play a little part by listening to those prompts and doing the right, the right thing. Um... And then on the flip side of that coin about us loving sacrificially, maybe there's somebody that wants to love you really well and actually you've just been a bit too proud to accept it. Um, so is somebody trying to make choices to love you well at the moment and you just need a little humility and grace to accept their actions towards you and go, yes, I need some help um, because we all need help sometimes. Um, Naomi needed some help and Ruth was there to provide it. Orpah wanted to you know, go, go home and, and Naomi loved her. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about Exeter Vineyard Church, head over to our website, www.exe.vin.